Amen. Let's stand this morning. We're going to sing an old hymn of the church uh, that simply says, When Jesus comes in the clouds. Let's worship the Lord this morning. Up with a uh, prayer over them this morning, and immediately following this prayer, 
we'll go into our time of meet and greet. And while we're doing our meet and greet here in a few moments, you can bring those tithes unto the Lord. So let me pray together for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you today. Lord, we pray over this offering that we're about to take. Lord, we pray for the giver. Lord, those that have to give and those that may not. Lord, if there's someone here this morning who doesn't have the ability to give, we ask that at some point you would give them the opportunity to be able to give back to show you how much they appreciate all you've done for them. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we glorify you and we commit this service into your care. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. And the people of God together said amen. 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 At this time, we're going to ask you to bring your tithes and offerings and also come and do the meet and greet this morning. God bless you this morning. to make your way back to your seats this morning. We're going to have those that are going to be leading us in scripture and prayer. They'll be making their way here momentarily to lead us in that time of scripture and prayer. Let me say to all our first time guests, uh, while they're making their way, we welcome you to church this morning. There should be in the seat in front of you a little connection card uh, that would be in those seats in front of you. If you would fill that out at some point at the end of service, uh, you can hand it to uh, one of the ushers or one of us uh, after service or put it in the box back there to let us know you were here. But at this time, we're going to ask you to remain uh, focused and I'm uh, going to ask you to stand one more time, if you don't mind, as the scripture is being read this morning. And uh, Brother Marion leads us in prayer. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Good to be in God's house. Amen. A lot of unfamiliar faces and a lot of familiar faces. And I'm uh, glad that y'all came to be in the house of the Lord. Um, I 
chose two scriptures from Hebrews chapter 4. Looking at verse 12, the Bible says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirits and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Um, looking at verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I thank the Lord for his word. His word is, his word is good to me, good to us. Um, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Um, ask him to touch this service. Um, I want to feel his presence. I love being in God's house. Amen. I love being among God's people. And I love praise and worship. Let us worship and praise the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we're thankful, Lord, for your love, mercy, and grace. Thankful, Lord, that we can come together, Lord, in spirit and in truth, Lord. We love you. We thank you for your word. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would just have your way. Touch every part of this service, Lord, the, the singing of, of your word, Lord, the preaching of your word. Bless and touch and anoint. And Father, I pray, Lord, that if, if there's any, Lord, that needs a special touch today, Lord, that they receive it in its fullness. Lord, again, we're thankful to be in your house, be in your presence, and we love you and praise you right now in Jesus' name. We all say, praise the Lord. Amen, amen. Let's remain standing. That song you just heard them sing uh, for the meet and greet, we're going to sing that this morning for worship. Let you worship the Lord together.
we know that falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I've ever done. Oh, falling in love with Jesus, we're falling. Oh, with Jesus, 
sing one more time. We're singing oh how I love Jesus. Oh how I love you Jesus. Oh how I Because he first will be called. He first loved me one more time. Because he first because he first loved me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you loved us first. Before the foundations of the earth were ever formed and fashioned, you had a plan for our lives. And before we ever uttered the first cooing or the first words ever spoken in our human existence, you knew the number of hair upon our heads. You knew what we would become. You had formed and fashioned us and knitted us together in our mother's innermost being. But while we still yet were in sin, you came and died so that I might have life and have it more abundantly. And for that, Lord, I am asking in the secrecy and solemnness of this moment that you help me today to speak your word to your people. Not because I am any man special, gifted, but only because the grace of God that worketh with inside of me. Take a coals from the halters of heaven and anoint this mortal lift of clay, lips of clay let me hide behind the cross of Calvary and let you be high and lifted up because you will draw all men unto yourself. And for that, Lord, I am eternally grateful and I will give you the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name. And the people of God together said amen. 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 If you have your Bibles before you're seated, I want you to go to the book of Matthew chapter 16. The book of Matthew chapter number 16. We're going to read one verse of scripture. We're going to jump right into the message today. We're going to read verse number 13. If you don't have your Bibles, we encourage you to bring them. But if you don't have them, it is on the screen to my right and to my left for you to see today. Matthew 16 and verse 13. 
And when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples this question, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Before I give you the title today of this message, I want to lay the groundwork very quickly before we pray again over this message. I was at youth camp this week. And uh, I already, before I left town, wanted to make sure that I had a word from the Lord for you this weekend. And I thought I had it. And I'm still not 100% sure that it still won't get preached. Maybe the following week or when I get back from General Assembly, I won't be here next week. Obviously, I'll be flying to San Antonio, Texas. Brother Colsey will be preaching Sunday morning and Sunday night. But on July 30th, I'll be back uh, so that I'll be here on the 31st. Maybe I'll preach it then. But I thought I had it all mapped out. I knew where I was going, I knew what I was preaching, I knew where we were headed. I sat at camp, I listened to various conversations and things that had transpired in my hearing. And I'm going to be honest with you, you hear this pastor carefully, and I know some of these people that I work youth camp with probably are going to go back because we all, we're those kinds of people, we all go creep on everybody else's church services to see what everybody else did but I was disappointed in the state of the church I was disappointed in pastors I was disappointed in youth pastors some of them that I you know feel are ministry acquaintances maybe even ministerial vocational friends we don't hang out outside of the ministry But it has become more in the circles that we live in today, more about a political agenda, even in the church, and the moving up the corporate ladder than it is about God anymore. I literally heard people say this past week at camp, I worked four weeks at camp this year, but I knew it was an election year because state minister's meeting is in October. I only worked this year because I knew the state overseer, I mean the state youth and discipleship director, this is his first camp, and I wanted him to see me so he could take some pictures with me and promote me for the youth board. It's the only reason they worked. I heard others say, you know, well, we need to get a group, we need to get a coalition together. And if all of us up in the Greenville and Malden area, if we come together and we vote a certain way, you know the PD region, they vote their own. We're going to have to stay together and unified because we don't want the guys from PD to go on and, and be a PD board. It needs to be a Malden-driven board. And we need to do this and start saying, these are the three names we need to start pushing. Of course, those three names were the three guys that were telling us to do that. Funny, isn't it? I went back to my room many nights. Brandon can attest to this. They were all going out to eat. After the kids went to bed, they were going to cook out Waffle House. First couple nights, they didn't invite me, which I was fine with that. Then about night three, they was like, you want to go with us? And I said, no, I, th- I think I'm going to go back to my room. It's not because I'm antisocial. Y'all know me. I like socializing. But I couldn't stand it any longer. I couldn't sit there and listen to that any longer. I even texted my mom and was like, this is, I'm ready to come home. Not because I hate camp. I hate politics. You don't have to like me. I don't really care if you do or not. I don't like politics. I don't like them in the government, and I certainly don't like them in the church. One of the worst ways to kill a church is political agendas. And I'm talking about the world's agendas. I'm talking about church agendas. When this person says, well, that's my department, that's my song, that's my chair, that's that's the quickest way to kill a church because we act like it's our possession, not God's possession. 
It's not God. God didn't die for for your possessions. He died for his church. We are a part of his church, so it belongs to God. It never was your solo. It never was your song. It never was your class. It never was your ministry. It was God's ministry that he chose you to be a part of. It was God's song that he allowed you to sing. It was God's to start with. Don't you forget it. I went back to my room and I thought, man, the sermon for Sunday, this is not right. What I had originally. So I came home and I kept telling Brianna, I kept saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. She said, what do you mean you don't know this? I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, uh, I got the message, but, but I don't know. So what do you mean? So we were talking about it. So last night she felt, Mike was in the bed. She fell asleep. And I, uh, I sat there in the kitchen. She can tell you this is the truth. She went to sleep around 11 and I, or 10, 30. I sat at my computer and I just stared at it. I read the sermon that I had prepared. I read it, I read it, I read it, and I did not feel okay. 12 o'clock, around 12 o'clock last night, I finally finished putting the sermon that I do feel like God gave me for today. It's not big. I'm not going to give you a bunch of Greek and Hebrew words. I'm not giving you a bunch of theology. You're not going to leave here today saying, wow, he just blew my mind with exegesis and exegetical hermeneutics. I'm not going to blow your mind. I simply came with this idea. I want to share today. I know him, but do you? I know him, but do you? Notice the question Philip was asked, by, or Peter asked, excuse me, Jesus asked to Philip and the disciples and Peter. And you know the rest of the story. Peter answers the questions, but, but notice the question that was asked. Who does the son of, who does everybody else say that the son of man is? Now Peter says, well, you know, he gives them his whole big speech. But I'm not here to ask what, I don't care what Peter's answer was. That's great that Peter knew the answer. Kudos to Peter. <laughs> I don't care how Philip answered it because I, I wasn't there. Philip's the least of my problems. I came by to ask you today, not what, what, not what Peter said. Well, Peter said that he's Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Flesh and blood did not reveal it to you, Peter, but, but you are blessed. And upon this rock, I'll call you Cephas. And upon this rock, I'm, that's great for Peter. We ain't talking about Peter. That's why I didn't read the rest of the scripture. I don't really care what Peter said. Because Peter's in heaven. We're not yet. So Peter don't matter to me right now. I don't care what Peter, James, John, any of those disciples said. Because you know what, Brother Larry, they're in heaven. They're with Jesus. That's the least of my concerns. We're not. You know what I'm come by to tell somebody today? Do you know who he is? Do you know who the Son of Man is? Because if you don't know him, you better make sure you do. Because it's going to be bad if you don't. You say, well, Pastor, I don't believe in all that stuff. Well, you can believe all your little fairy tales you want to, but he is coming again, and you better be ready when he comes. I know him, but to you, Father, to the very best of my ability, help me to preach your word today to the people of God. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary that I am not seen, but that you are seen. Let us not be hearers of this word, but doers thereof likewise. And for that, we will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is do your name in Christ Jesus our Lord we pray and the people of God together said amen amen you may be seated pray for the pastor's iPad it is blinking so I don't know if that means it's got a virus or what hopefully we'll get through this good thing I studied with and before I used the iPad do you know him I know him but do you I sat there this week in the midst of all of those events, if you will, 
I listened. I studied. I prayed. I asked for God's direction how to handle the services today. But I could not get away from this idea of who is Jesus. Who is he to you? Who is he to me? See, I could stand up here this morning and I could tell you about what I know about Jesus. And I could tell you what Jesus did for me. But when we get to heaven, he's not going to ask you what Jesus did for me. He's going to ask you, what did Jesus do for you? I cannot answer the age-old question for you when you stand before God. When God says, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Do you know me? I can't answer that for you. I can say yes. But will you be able to say yes? See, the older I get, some of you probably already feel this way, the more appreciative I am of the simple things of life. As a matter of fact, the desire for simplicity is quite profound in my life. I, I don't really get excited about complex things anymore. It's no longer a pursuit or passion of mine. I, I'm not wanting to open up the bicycle box with 14,000 screws, nuts, bolts, and a, and a piece of paper written in Chinese, French, Spanish, and I can't even hardly read it in English, much less the other languages, and put a whole bicycle back together. I want to buy it off the showroom floor on Walmart already put together so when I go home I just pedal it. I don't care about the complex things anymore. I want already pre-assembled. It's not because I'm lazy. I just don't have time to really sit there and lose my sanctification on that there's four extra nuts and bolts that are not on the bike, so they should have went somewhere, and now i got to go take it apart to find it. None of y'all's ever done that. All right, I'm the only one that's ever faced these things. All right. Glory to God, I'm preaching to myself today. Complex things don't matter as much. You know, I'm not interested in complex things. Too often the mission and message of the church has become so bogged down in the quagmire of complicated theologies and methodologies and practices. Somewhere hidden beneath the church's political agendas and programs are these smoldering embers of the heartbeat of the church. But we must realize, we must reignite the flames of passion that drives us not for another program, not for another song, not for another uh, some kind of trinket or toy, but we must burn again with the passion that the purpose of being the church is not for the singing, is not for the ministries of all this stuff we have, but it is to tell this world there is a God that is named Jesus Christ that died for the sins of humanity and He's coming again. We must realize the heartbeat of the church is we must tell the world who Jesus really is that's the heartbeat of the church now you can say well pastor I don't know how I feel about all that well you feel any way you want to but I'm telling you that's the heartbeat of the church the heartbeat of the church is we must know who Jesus is we have to tell the world who Jesus is you see I remember growing up as a kid an old Sunday school song that my dad actually learned in the Baptist church. He started learning it at Courtsville First Baptist. And then after a time period at Courtsville First Baptist, he uh, learned that song. And through his life, it's kind of just stayed, if you will, uh, a part of his, uh, if you will, wealth of knowledge. And he taught it to us, taught it to me, and taught it at the time to our church uh, where he served. And you'll probably know it as soon as I sing or as soon as I read you the words of this song. The song simply said this, everybody ought to know who Jesus is. 
And it was, that was, the whole line was, everybody ought to know, and it was echoed. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. And then it went into that cliche line of we sing in the hymns. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000, but everybody ought to know. And then as I was sitting there at my computer last night, I started thinking, you know, there was another song that I grew up on that I remembered. Maybe you didn't, but I did. When I was a kid, we used to sing a song that said this. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. If it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. See, I began to think of these songs. And I began to think of the meaning of these songs. See, everybody needs to know what Jesus did and what he did and his life living here on earth. You see, he was virgin born. He lived a virtuous life. He died a vicarious death. He rose in victorious fashion. And one day he's going to make a visible return whether you are waiting for him to come or not. See, we, we have all met people that we like. We also have met people we wish we could forget. Some of y'all are sitting by him this morning in church. God is good, isn't he? <laughs> you see, there are times that we like to see people come. But as one guy used to tell me, Pastor, family are like fish. After three days, they start to stink and need to be thrown out. That's prophetic. I have learned that can be true. That can be true. Therefore, we must look at the whys, the whats of why Jesus came. The age-old question still has to be addressed. Do you know him? Because there's coming a day that you will stand before God. Like it or not, it's kind of like a good game of hide-and-go-seek. Ready or not, here I come. One day Jesus is going to say, ready or not, here I come. And you better make sure you know who he is when he shows up. You see, those songs like everybody ought to know. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. Those are songs that we sing. They're catchy. They're cliche-ish. But they actually are still true. The Great Commission is summed up as, in the essence of everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Go ye therefore in all nations, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, baptizing them, teaching them all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. That is summarized. You put that in simple terms. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. That's what the Great Commission is all about. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. Man, it's, that's, that's all biblical. While we were yet in sin, Christ died for us. We, we should be thankful. The Bible says, thanks be unto God who called us out of, his darkness and, out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have to be thankful that the Lord saved us. It had not been for Jesus, there's no telling where my life would be today. So I want to talk today about do you know him? And I don't know if you know him. Only you do. First thing I want you to understand is Jesus came to redeem you. The main purpose of Jesus Christ coming to this earth was not for you to get out of, you know, some free get out of jail card. It wasn't for you to just be able to have some Santa Claus sugar daddy in the sky when you want something, tug on the little prayer bell and be like, okay, Jesus, it's not, Jesus is not a, a, a bellhop. <laughs> we treat him like he is. That's good preaching even for our church of God today. I'm going to preach just because I've been out for a week. Uh, I'm tired from youth camp, but I'm going to go ahead and get it all out while I'm here. 
Jesus is not designed for you to ring your little proverbial bell and say, okay, God, I need something. That's not what he came for. He didn't come to give you a wish list. He didn't come to, for you to... Now, the Bible says, well, you say, well, Pastor, the Bible says that if I cast my cares upon the Lord and have to make my petitions known to God, yes, but it all sums up. Jesus said it's all according to his will. Sometimes the will of God and your will don't match. So you pray, God's will may not be for you to get a Lamborghini, so probably chances are he's not going to give it to you. God, God might provide you a car. It may not be what you want, but it is a car. Come on, somebody. See, my wishes and desires are not always God's plans and desires. See, Jesus came to this earth not because he's coming to give me this grandiose Santa Claus, whatever I want kind of thing. Jesus came with a purpose to make sure that I had access to get to heaven. He came to redeem me. It wasn't for my own selfish ambitions and selfish desires. He came because I needed him so that I could go up there one day. Because I could not go to heaven had it not been for him coming down to earth. Simple. Mankind was in bondage. We were enslaved to sin. We all, the Bible said, all have fallen sin, fallen all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all were messed up. We could not get to heaven. In fact, the Bible tells us, according to the prophet Isaiah, that our righteousness were as filthy rags before God. God couldn't even look on us in our best attempt, and we would make it to heaven. We had to have someone to serve in it, using a, a, a theological term. We had to have a propitiatory, a propitiatory atonement. We had to have someone who took our place. We had to have someone who come and said, I can pay the price you can't pay. Because my best efforts were going to fall short in the glory and holiness of an all-seeing God in heaven. What if I stood before God with all my, I could have gave all my money to charity. I could have lived a nomadic life. But I'm telling you today, had I done that, you know what would have happened? I'd have went to hell because it never would have stood before God. Never. I don't care. You can say, well, Pastor, I've given a million dollars away. Well, great for you. You're broke. That means nothing to heaven unless you know Jesus. You can be filthy rich and make it to heaven. You can also be dirt poor and go to hell. It all has to do where your heart is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It doesn't matter about rich or poor. It matters who do you know? Who do you say that Jesus Christ is to you? See, I sat there and I thought, in that place that I was at this week, I thought, you know, there's a lot of people that say the right things, but they do it with the wrong motives. You don't go work youth camp because you're trying to get on the youth board. You should be going to work youth camp because you're trying to invest in the lives of people and let those children see who Jesus Christ is. If the only reason you're at youth camp is for a political agenda, stay home because you're ruining it for the rest of us. Children's eternity is hanging in the balance while you're worried about if you're going to be recognized on a photo op in front of the state office and get a, a Christmas card and a, a, and, a, and a gift in the mail and occasionally get to go eat out at some fancy steakhouse around Christmas time. If that's all you want, let me just give you a Texas Roadhouse gift card and keep your mouth shut. In case you don't know, I'm not into that kind of junk. If Jesus, the Bible says, he must increase and I must decrease. If God wants me to be elevated, he'll do the elevation. It ain't my responsibility to do it for myself. I'm just going to be frank with you today. And then I'm going to run so that I can hide in a bush somewhere. I'm going to be like Elijah. I'm going to say it and I'm going to run and hope that Jezebel don't find me. Last Sunday was the second Sunday of July, which marked, if you will, the second Sunday of July is when I came. Uh, but 
July 14th was the actual this past week. July 14th, which would have been, I guess, Thursday, somewhere in that window, uh, would have been the actual day that I marked three years in this area. Three years. I also, this week, at camp, in one week, got offered three different opportunities to go to three different churches just since I left on Monday. I'm not going to say the names of the churches because, obviously, they're still working through that. But three locations I could have said, see you. All I had to do was say the word. Some were larger, some were bigger, some were, you know, financially, uh, if you will, a step up, if you want to use that. And some of them were like, Jordan, you've been there three years. Man, I was only at my last church for a year and a half. And then look at where I'm at. You need to do it, man. You need to do it. You, you take that church. That's a church on such and such district. And people know the name of that church and all that stuff. And you know what I said to them? I'm good, thanks. That's what I said. State overseer came and said, well, you know, you know, you know, what you, I said, no, I'm good, I'm good. Some of the men heard around it, some of the guys working there, like, come on, man, you, you know, this is, I said, no, no, I don't move unless God tells me to move. I'm not moving just because it looks good on my record. That's probably why they didn't let me go eat with them that night. <laughs> I told one person this week, I said, how, how stupid, they were asking me afterward, they were staying, they stayed late, and they said, why did you just shut it down? Not even, I said, how stupid do I look? Don't answer that. It was a rhetorical question. I said, but how stupid do I look? I said, I move, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the area where Micah's mother's at so that he can go to school and it can be smooth and I can get him and it's smooth. My wife's family is literally 20 minutes from my house. She, can, she sees them just about every, well, she sees them every week, but typically every Saturday. At some point, she, see, I mean, she sees them on a consistent basis. She sees her nieces, her nephews. She sees all her family. My, fam, my family is only an hour up the road, so it's an easy commute to go see them. All my aunts, my uncles, if there people dream about trying to get closer to family, I'd be an idiot to leave my family. How stupid do I look? And then I said to the person, I said, and besides, if I did go, and God wasn't in it, it's going to be a train wreck when I get there, so what good did that accomplish it? See, I'm a firm believer. It's my mother in me. You can blame her when you see her and tell her it's her fault. She don't mind taking constructive criticism. My dad might cry. My mom won't care. But my mother taught me a principle a long time ago. She said, son, you don't have to go to every other church to save the world. You can be like a good flower. Just bloom where you're planted. And sometimes it may take a while for the water to get to the seed, and it may take a while for the seed to break the embryo and the embryo to come out and come through. But after a while, that little flower will turn into a bush, and that bush will turn into a tree. And before long, nobody's going to be able to cut the tree down without help because it's too big for anybody to mess with. She said, why don't you just be a tree and stop trying to be little bushes transplanted everywhere around the yard? I thought, God, let me be a giant red sequoia because nobody wants to mess with them in California. They're too big. They'll hurt somebody. Let me be a red sequoia. I don't know what I am. I'm probably a bramble bush, but we'll call it what it is. Jesus did not come for us to gain our own agendas. He came because we could not go to heaven had he not come. It's not about me. It's not about the ministry. It's not about going to the next church. It's not about you. It's about him. It's always been about him. Always. Psalms 102 says, For he looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven the Lord viewed the earth to hear the groanings of the prison and the enslaved to release them from death. That's the purpose he came. So I did not have to die eternal death. We needed a redeemer. Somebody had to pay the price. I couldn't afford it. I couldn't pay for it. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy people. 
I came for people who were sick and needed a doctor. He said, I came to seek and save that which was lost and give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, I have to do this to have to pay the price. Yes, he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, I don't want to have to do it, but if it's your will, what's the next line? Your will be done. I may not like where I'm walking. I may not like walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I may not. We're going to have special prayer in a few moments at the end of the service during the altar call for Sister Ann, but, but I'll use her because I know she won't get offended. I may not like facing cancer. I may not like what the doctor's report says, but I don't have to worry and fret because it's not my will. It's God's will to be done. I don't like it. But God's in control. He came to redeem me. It was a cost that only God could pay. Psalms 49, 6-8 says, They trust in their wealth and boast of great riches, yet they cannot redeem themselves and pay the ransom to God. Redemption does not come easily, for no one has enough to repay it. Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sins. First Peter says it like this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you, Save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. It was not paid with gold or silver or by monetary value, but it was the precious blood of a spotless lamb called Jesus Christ that saved you from destruction. Titus 2 and 14, he gave his, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin and to cleanse us and to make us a very special people committed to doing his work. I remember a little boy who had a boat just finished building it and it was beautiful and he took it down to the river's edge and he put it in the water and he had a string attached to it a piece of fishing line and it started sailing and he was watching it but as he laid there in the warm sunshine he just sat there and he watched his boat but a strong current came in the water and it started to make the boat drift and as he tried to pull the rope to get it back to shore the string broke his little boat started going downstream. He followed it along the shoreline. He chased, he chased, he chased, but it never came close enough to the shoreline. And eventually it just sailed right out of sight. All afternoon he searched, but he never could find it. Sadly, he went home. A few days later, and he came home from school. He was walking down Main Street, and he saw in a store window a boat. And when he got closer, he could see, and to his amazement, it was his boat. He ran inside, told the manager, that's my boat in your window. I made that boat. He said, look, there is a mark here and a mark there. And he pointed out every, every uh, if you will, detail of, of deficiencies and, and, and messed up marks upon the boat. But the manager said, somebody else brought it in this morning. If you want it, you have to buy it for $1. This little boy ran home. He counted all his money. And he had exactly $1 in his bank account. In his little piggy bank, he ran back to the store. He rushed to the counter. He said, here's the money for the boat. As he left the store, he hugged the boat ever so tightly. And he said, you are twice now mine. The first time I made you, but the second time I bought you. Can I tell you, that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus took you and he made you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalms 139. But the devil walked by and he let you get drifting on the seas of life. And you sailed out of sight away from the Father like the prodigal son. And when Jesus came back to say, that's my people, the devil said, no, 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 no. I've already got them. They belong to me now. And Jesus said, no, no, no. Yeah, I want them. And he said, no, you can't have them. And he said, well what's the price and God said it costs blood Jesus said not a problem he went and died on Calvary's cross and he walked right into hell and he said the first time I made you but the second time I bought you for 
my own possession. I bought you. I bought you. Man, I feel God even if nobody else does today. But can I also tell you Jesus came to represent you too. <laughs> this is probably my favorite part. I probably won't get to number three. We'll have to pick up next time. I love it that I can stand before God now, but I don't have to stand alone. Because if I stand before God, it ain't going to look pretty. But I'm glad there's an advocate that comes by and says, can I have a turn to say something? Can I speak on their behalf? I love the fact that God has given me a character witness when I get to my sentencing in heaven one day. I can have a character witness to say, can I please take the stand? I want to talk in an affirmation of who they are. You see, he is our advocate, Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, he is able to save us to the uttermost who come to God through him. He is there making intercession on our behalf. 1 Timothy 2 and 5. For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, and that man is called Christ Jesus. When someone gets in trouble with the law, they get either appointed a public defender, but if that person that goes into prison has enough money, they go and look for the best lawyer. They don't want the public defender because they know the public defender does not have their best interest at heart. They've taken on many cases. They're just going to do the status quo. They're not going to really research it. They're just trying to get through and you know maybe get you a lighter sentence, but they're not going to really strategically try their best. But if you buy the lawyer, they're going to work for their best interest because you've contracted them. They're going to look at the case. They're going to do whatever they can. Even if it's for money purposes, they're, they're going to do everything they can to represent you the best before the judge so that when the judge gets ready to pass sentencing, you have the best representation on your side. You don't have to leave here standing before God one day with a public defender. You can leave here with the best lawyer you can ever buy. You can't afford him, but he already paid the price tag for the retaining fee. God's son already said, I'll pay my own retaining fee. I don't need nobody else to retain me. I can retain myself. And he freely offers his service to anyone who wants him to represent him before heaven. And what happens is Jesus walks into the courtroom of heaven. I stand before God and God says, Jonathan, You've done this. You've done that. And based on all that I'm looking at over your life, you deserve to go to hell. It don't matter how good you are, you've got some messed up stuff. About that time, God says to me, says, do you have any legal representation? To which I say, yes, sir, I have a lawyer. I'd like to speak on my behalf. How do you enter your plea? Well, God, if you're asking me how I enter, I, I enter a guilty plea because I did all the stuff you just said I did. I'm guilty. But about that time, a man in a flashy suit comes walking in the room. He puts his briefcase down on the table. He says, God, I need to make a, a witness here today. I'd like to call my first witness. All right, call your first witness. You're, your Honor, I want to put myself on the stand. All right. Do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Sure, I have no problem not lying to you, God. My character witness gets on the stand. The accuser of the brethren, the devil, comes by and says, Well, did not Jonathan tell a lie? Yes, he did. Did not Jonathan do? Yes, he did. Did not Jonathan sin? Yes, he did. So you're admitting today before this whole courtroom that he's guilty as charged. Yes, but... I always love a but in a sentence. Some people are buts in your life, but sometimes God puts buts in, the, in your sentences because he's going to write a different part of the story. 
Sometimes you look at them, you know, they're a pain in my rear. But sometimes that's God's just trying to detour you to a different spot in the story. Sometimes those pains in the rears help you go get checked out, make sure you don't have spiritual hemorrhoids. Come on, somebody. Hello. That keeps you sanctified. I'm preaching better than you're shouting today, and you know it. He says, no, there he's guilty, but. What do you mean, but? Well, you see, there was a time he was all those things. But one day I came before the Father, and I asked him, could I go down to earth and be born of a virgin by the name of Mary? And I walked all over this world, all over the land. But then I died on a cross. And I'd like to make it known to be on the records and the angels of heaven. I'd like it to be known that I said, at the end of my life sentencing there, I said three things, three words. I said, it is finished. And what I meant by that was, it's done. I already paid for it. So I went back up to heaven. I, I sat down at the right hand of the Father making intercession. And as I sit here on the right-hand side of your bench today, Your Honor, and I sit here today and I, I'm trying to represent my client, but as I sit here on the left side on this witness stand, I would like to say my client is 100% guilty. But though the wages of sin are death, the free gift of God, according to you, Your Honor, is eternal life. Your Honor, I would like to also say, but... If any man should humble himself and pray and seek my face and turn from his wicked ways, Your Honor, I'd also like to butt in and say that you said that if they shall confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ was the Son of the living God, born of the Virgin, and lived and died the death and the resurrection that he did, that he could be saved to the uttermost and have his name written down in the annals of heaven in the Lamb's Book of Life. Your Honor, I would like you to ask the clerk of the court to please bring out the annals of heaven because I'd like you to turn to page 333 or 347 or whatever number. I'd like you to get into the section. I'd like you to scroll down. You're going to see Vaughn, 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 Vaughn. But right there you're going to see one that says Jonathan K. Vaughn. I'd like you to go ahead and make a mental note of that. That has already been paid for. That penalty. I, yes, all of those things you, you can sentence him to whatever you want to but I've already paid the price and I'd like to call my second witness. That second witness in your honor, I'd like to call in the Holy Spirit because the Bible said once he gets saved, he is sealed to the day of redemption. And I'd like to call the Holy Spirit to step up on the witness stand and when the Holy Spirit steps on, he says, your honor, I'd like to say something I'd like to say in the last days, saith the Lord, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy, old men will see visions, and young men will dream dreams. Your Honor, I'll pour out my spirit in Acts chapter 2 and the day of Pentecost, and signs and wonders follow the believers. And one day, about four years old, in a back room Sunday school class at Oakley Road Church of God, in a white, in a yellow old back chair that you sit and see in a school classroom, there a four-year-old little boy asked Jesus into his heart. Then about 11 or 12 years old, at Church of God camp meeting, at Kids camp meeting. He was laying in the home for children gymnasium in the floor, speaking in a heavenly language. Father, I'd like to tell you, though he is guilty, though if his sins have been blotted out, and he is pardoned today. He's pardoned. I have good legal representation in heaven today. You see, nobody's more qualified than Jesus. Jesus represented me with his blood. He represented me with his name. The Bible said there's a new name written down in glory. I don't even have to be called by the same name that I'm known here on earth because when I get to heaven, my name is not Jonathan. It is redeemed. It is set free. I made y'all last week right on there. Hello, my name is. I've read some of them. Some of them said child of God. Some of them said redeemed. And whatever you put on, it's great. But I'm telling you, when you get to heaven, you're not known as a sinner. You're not known as someone who is a liar, a cheater, an adulterer, or whatever. You are a murderer or anything else. You are known by saved. You're known by sanctified. You're known by filled with the Holy Spirit. You're known by redeemed. You're known by set free. You are known because of his name that he wrote your name down in glory. He represented me with his holiness. 
God the Father sees His Son through Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. Philip said to him, The Lord, show us the Father. Jesus said, How long have I been with you? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The work of Jesus cannot be paid back in full by human, name, human means or meager fares. When we stand before God, we would not measure up. But when Jesus pleads our case and he makes his case known to the Father, we get to experience a benefit package which we did not work for but yet have full access to use. I'm reminded of a story. Miss Carol, you better come or I'll be here all day. I'm reminded of a story. There was a gathering of friends in England. They were at a big royal estate. There were all these groups of people hanging out. One of the little boys got close to the edge of the water and he fell in. And he was drowning. And people were yelling and screaming. And about that time, the gardener of the estate heard the frantic cries and he jumped in. He rescued the boy and he pulled him out. The parents of this boy that was rescued without hesitation pulled him out and they were grateful and they said to the gardener said how could we ever repay you and he said well obviously I don't make a lot of money but I wish my son could go to college someday and become a doctor see the little boy that drowned in that water was known as Sir Winston Churchill Prime Minister of England it was Sir Winston Churchill's parents that paid for this gardener's son to go to college years passed Sir Winston Churchill became the great Prime Minister of England. One day he was stricken with pneumonia and was on his deathbed. The countryside, the, the royal ambassadors and the royal uh, cohort, they wanted the best doctor, so they called for the best doctor to come by. They summoned a guy whose name was Dr. Alexander Fleming, who happened to discover what is known today as penicillin. Dr. Alexander Fleming. Dr. Alexander Fleming walked in there with his penicillin. He walked in there with his things. And he literally rebirthed, if you will, or revived the lifeless form of Sir Winston Churchill by giving him the proper antibiotics to be able to live. Once he got better, Winston Churchill said this, Rarely has a man owed his life to the same person twice in his history because Dr. Alexander Fleming was the son of the gardener that Sir Winston Churchill's family sent to college. You say, well, Pastor, what has that got to do with me? See, knowing the right people in certain situations has good benefits. A gardener just did the right thing. He wasn't looking for the rewards. He didn't want a kid to drown. And he rescued a child who one day would become the Prime Minister of England. But because of that father's heroic act, it sent his son to school, who happened to become Dr. Alexander Fleming, who happened to discover penicillin, who would end up saving the Prime Minister again because of his knowledge. See, it does pay to know the right people. Can I tell you, you have the right representation on your side. When we stand before the Father, Jesus will represent our hearts. He'll represent our lives. And He will save us from the destructive forces and sentencing of hell. The best representation someone can have is someone who knows them through and through and can attest to who they are. It's called a character witness. Well, can't get much better than Jesus because Psalms 139 says that I knitted you and I formed you and I fashioned you in your mother's womb. I know the very hairs upon your head. You can't get much more knowledge when Jesus knows how many hairs you have and how many hairs you've lost. And for some of y'all, he doesn't have to count very long anymore. 
Good preaching. Do you know Jesus even knows that underneath all of that coloring, there's gray? He knows that. Do you know Jesus knows how many wrinkles you have no matter how much cream you put on to lift it up? That's good preaching. He knows everything about you. He's the best representation you can have. Your life is dependent on who you allow to represent you at your sentencing hearing before God on the day of judgment. You say, Pastor, that's all a great story, and we'll pick up the rest of this in a couple weeks, but that's a great story. Yeah, it's not a story. It's facts. What I presented you today is not a story. It's factual. Historians have validated it. Science has tried to debunk it and disprove it, but they can't because it, the more they try to discredit it, the more they end up crediting it as accurate. It's not a story that's just a fairy tale that I made up to elicit some little emotional heartstrings. No, no, no. It's true. But I come back to this question. I know where I'm going. I know. I'm going to heaven. I'm not staying here forever. You can stay down here with the Republicans, Democrats, and your Tea Party, your Green Party, your Red Party, whatever party, Blue Party, whatever party you want to align with. But when tribulation comes, you can stay down here with the Antichrist, do one world government, one world currency. You can do all that mess you want to if you want to and try to hopefully make think that you'll be able to withstand it in the tribulation. If you can't stand for God now, you certainly ain't going to make it in tribulation. But that's another sermon for another day. But I'm here to tell you, you can play all that gamut you want to. But I'm telling you, I don't plan on staying here to find out. I'm going the first time he blows the trumpet, I'm leaving on the first note. I'm not waiting for the second verse, the third verse, or the fourth chorus. As soon as I hear Gabriel go, huh, I'm out of here. I don't even I don't even know what he's playing yet. I don't know if he's playing when the roll is called up yonder. I'll be there or I'll fly away. Won't really care if we're singing meeting in the air. As soon as I hear the trumpet sound, I'm leaving. Y'all stay. Have my Bible. Have my notes. Take anything you want. But I'm not staying here to figure it out. I know where I'm going. But to you. Because I can't go and take you with me. You have to go on your own merit. You have to go with your own confession of faith. See, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to open this altar. See, I, as I read on Tuesday, Wednesday this week, I think it was Wednesday. Might have been Thursday. I don't remember. My days are running together. I hadn't been on Facebook all week, and I opened up, and it just happened to be that day. The first message on my timeline news feed was Miss Ann's post about her appointments on Tuesday and Wednesday. I read it, sat in my room, and I thought, oh, God, don't let this be real. Come on, God. Come on. Help me out. Come on, God. You can't do that. You can't. God, come on. Come on. And then I started thinking about some things. I started thinking about when Brenda Burbage walked in here about six months after my arrival. We had a little rough start. She left me on the first Sunday. Thank God she's forgiven me and coming back, even though I wasn't the one that left. <laughs> she did come back. She gave me a fair chance. But I remember she walked in there about six months after I got here, and she told me, Pastor, they tell me I got rotator cuff issues with my shoulder. I can't move my hand much above my waistline right here. I mean, I can't even get it up. I, it's hard to grab things out the cabinet. I mean, I'm just struggling. That was long before Corey and Jennifer, any of these game people, I mean, she was just by herself here. I think Madison was with her by then, coming, but she couldn't move it. 
I got to have surgery. They say this, they say that, they say the other. I remember, I think it was in December. I can't remember. I think it was December that year, Brother Larry. I had a prayer line that December. And I lined everybody along this wall. And I stood, actually I lined them that way. And I stood right here with a Bible in my hand. And I had people anoint and pray all the way through. And I said, you get to the end of this line. You thank God for what you're praying for before you ever come talk to me. I remember we had that prayer line. You'd say, oh, uh, you know. I don't get in all that. Well, you can get anything you want to. Prayer still works and prayer lines still work. I still believe in them. She got to the end of that line. I don't even know if it was a week. I don't remember. Miss Brenda, when did you have your surgery? Mm-hmm. How's your arm doing? Yeah, see, I wasn't really too worried about it because God knew what he was doing. I didn't really have to do it. She did have surgery. Just not the kind we thought. Then I started thinking about Bonnie. Bonnie was told she wasn't even going to come through surgery. Now here she is three-something years later. We're still hanging out. We still see each other every Thursday. And she still tells me how this little church is going to go places one day. And how they got a little preacher who's pretty cool. I don't know how to take that. But that's, I'll tell you that's what she says. You're a little preacher, but you're pretty cool. All right, thanks. I remember things like that. I remember about last December, January, right before Christmas. Brother Robert Chambers walked in this building and told us he had some thoracic cancer issues. He was going to have to have very evasive surgery. I mean, uh, treatments. He didn't know how he was going to do it. So we worked together. Brother Randy and I and a couple of Brother Robert uh, Robert, um, uh, Chambers' friends. Monday to Friday. Every day. One of us took a turn driving him to try to hospital for for, for treatments. Now, I know he's out here this morning for whatever reason, but that was last January. Here we are in July. He's still not taking treatments, but he's still with us, so somebody had to do something along the way. You can call it whatever you want to, but I think the right oncologist walked in the room. It was called the Holy Ghost, and he went in and took care of that for me. Whether he used medicine or not, he worked it out. <laughs> he worked it out. And I started thinking about those things. Now, Sister Brenda Frierson's had some health issues, but I remember the service that she came in. I think it was on a Sunday night. It might have been a Wednesday night. She was talking about her ears were just, and she was almost, couldn't even bear the pain. It was excruciating. Now, we've had some more challenges. Don't get me wrong. We're still praying and believing God. But I remember we prayed. I think it was by the next service. I don't remember if it was a Sunday or Wednesday. But she attested how that her ears had basically like opened up. They had popped up. She could hear better and she felt better. Now, we've had more challenges, but, but she felt different than she had been prior to that service week. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. I know him. I know him as a savior. I just proved to you I know him as a healer. I know him as a doctor. I know him as a lawyer that represents me. I know him in a lot of different ways. But how do you know him? Can you say he's your savior? Can you say he's your Lord? If you were to die right now, could you say you'd go to heaven? Oh, would you not be sure if you make it to heaven? Because if you're uncertain, now's the best time in your life you could ever give it to Jesus. Don't wait. Do not put off tomorrow what you can do today. For no one's promised tomorrow. For life is but a vapor. It is here today and gone tomorrow. You may not even have tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised. Right now is the only time of your day of visitation. You better make sure you get it done today. Now, I know what the doctors say. And I'm not saying that we won't have to have surgeries. I'm not saying we won't have to have therapies and things like that. I get that. I don't believe God's done with Ann Krause yet. I just don't believe it. 
Now, you hear this, Pastor, very carefully. If for some reason God, and I'm not saying anyone, but if for some reason God took her home to glory, and you all came in this church, and her family came, and she was laying here, and I had to stand behind that lectern, and I had to preach a home-going service. You know what I'm going to preach? I tell you right now. I'm going to open up this same scripture. I tell you, anyone, whether it's now or whether it's 30 years from now when I have to do her home-going service, I'm going to read the same scripture I read today. I already marked it in my Bible. Ann Krause, home-going service. Not because I think she's going, because I'm going to tell everybody in there, but she knew him. Do you? She knew him. Do you? Because it doesn't matter. Because if she ever has to lay here at some point in time, you know what I'm going to have to be able to say? I'm not going to be able to say, well, you know, while our hearts are broken, I wish I could tell you. No, no, I'm going to say she has seen her Lord and Savior face to face. She's not hurting. She's not in pain. She's not bothered by this, that, and the other. You know why? Because I know she knows him. And I don't have to worry about that. Now, I say that, but I believe God's not done yet either on this side of heaven. She told me last Sunday, I was a little scared. I ain't going to lie to you. I left church and Sunday morning she came out the door and she said, Pastor, are you going to be here next week? I thought she had a premonition of something. I was getting nervous. I was like, why, did God give you a vision that I wouldn't be here or something? Like, does that mean I'm timing out? Like, I mean, I know they, when I got to youth camp, they offered me a couple different churches, but, but like, did you think, did you know something? I don't know. Like, am I not coming back from youth camp? I mean, I joked about going to youth camp and surviving. Do you know something I don't know? Because if you do, I'm not going, you know? I said, far as I know, I'll be there. Why? You know, that's always the question. Why are you asking? You know what she told me? Pastor, I'm going to get on my Facebook and I'm going to send a message and I'm going to get anybody that I can to come to church because I'm going to be prayed for before that service is ended. But I need them to make sure they know who Jesus is. I said, oh, you bring him. Now, I thought I had the sermon. thought I was good. I went to camp. I did my thing. I sat there, Brianna's, you know, dreaming about sugar plum fairy somewhere in the other world, unconscious, in the chair, and I'm typing. And I stopped in the middle of my typing and froze and looked at the screen. I had the whole message lined out all the way down to the bottom, but I didn't have a title. Didn't know what I was going to say. I, I, I didn't want to use, yeah, I could have used the scripture, who do you say that I, I, all that stuff. And I sat there and I thought to myself, God, I don't know what to say tomorrow to people who walk in here who may know you, who may not know I don't know. And I read that Bible, that scripture again, over and over again. Who do men say that the Son of Man is? Who do men say? Who do men say? Yeah, I read the rest of Peter. Well, thou art the Christ. And, you know, and Jesus giving him accolades. And I thought to myself, but it don't matter what Peter said. Peter's not here to answer that question today. John's not here to answer that question today. Philip's not here. They're not here. I have to answer that question. It was like clear as day. I'm not going to say some big Morgan Freeman voice boomed out of the sky and spoke to me. But as clear as day, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, I thought to myself, I know him. But do they? And I told God sitting in my, in my chair there last night. And then when I got up this morning, I go every morning and I pray in a room in my house. Most of the time to the frustrations of Micah. Why do you have to go pray again, Daddy? Don't you pray enough? Not exactly, son. But I went to my room this morning. You know what I told God? God, I don't care if they know me, but I need to make sure when they leave today, they know you. They don't have to know who's the pastor of this church. In fact, I made a joke that if I knew Sister Ann was going to bring this many people, I'd let Brother Randy stand up here and tell him that that's the preacher. I just work here part-time, but he's the preacher, just because I don't care if you know who I am. But I am 100% passionate that I want you to know who he is. 
Because you know who's going to heal Miss Ann? Not the preacher. And it ain't even going to be because the preacher prayed. The only way God's going to do it is because God is God and God's good. And you need to know the same God today. So here's what I'm going to do. Before I bring this in up, I'm going to have you bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask this question. Real simple question. I'm not going to go long-winded on this. We're going to bring this in up. We'll have prayer. And if anybody else wants prayer, it's fine. But I'm going to ask this one time and one time only. It may be the only question you ever get asked. And it may be your last chance. But I'm going to ask. I'm not begging you. I'm not pleading with you. I'm not, I'm not playing that game. If you're that indecisive about it, then obviously you don't mean it. One question. I want to know, do you know him? Do you know him? With every head bowed and every eyes closed, here's my question today. If you can say, I want to know, is there anybody in this building that says, Pastor, I am not 100% sure if time ended today, I'd make it to eternity with heaven, to heaven. And I need to make sure before I leave this place, I'm going to heaven. I don't want any questions whatsoever asked. I want you to slip your hand. If you have to think about it longer for very long, then obviously you don't know. Yes, yes, yes. There's two, three, four. Any others? Quickly. Uh, yes, let's see those hands. Five. Yes. Do you want to make sure? You want to make sure? Anybody else? I don't want you to leave this place. You better make sure you know who Jesus is. Anybody else that says, Pastor, please pray that I know who Jesus is and I don't leave this place uncertain. Are there any others? All right, here's what I want to do. Right where you're standing, we're going to pray this together. I'm not going to embarrass these four individuals that raised their hand. I don't want them to be embarrassed. So we're going to pray it together to make sure the rest of us are helping them out. We're going to just do a response prayer where I pray and repeat after me kind of prayer. And then we're going to have a prayer line for Miss Ann. So I want you to pray with me. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. I couldn't do it on my own. That's why you came. I believe in who you are. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you're in heaven sitting by God himself. And I believe you're coming again. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Be Lord and Savior of my life. And let me be a part of the family of God. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody that said that today, you get to go to heaven with me one day. One day you get to go. The Bible said that when a sinner comes to know Jesus Christ, the angels of heaven rejoice. Well, can I tell you this morning, we had four people give their heart to Jesus Christ. Can we give God praise for that today? Miss Ann, I'm going to ask Miss Ann to come stand. Brother Barnes, I'm going to I'm going to trouble you, but can you come here for me? This is my buddy. You come right here. In fact, Brother Randy, if we need to bring one of those chairs for you to sit right here for me. If you don't mind, I'm going to let you sit right here in this chair so you don't have to stand. Well, let's, let's make sure you hold on there for me. I'm not going to tell you how old, but 90 plus years. This man has walked on this earth. He didn't know I was going to do this today, but I found out through the grapevine that his beloved wife has fallen this week and she's broken some bones. Bru- bru- bruised it really bad, sprained it pretty bad. She's in pain. 
That's why she's not here. She can't put clothes on. Now, some of y'all drove 10 minutes to church this morning. 44 miles, one day over an hour drive from Johns Island. They're here every Sunday. Now, you get mad at what I'm about to say, and you leave the church and go to any church you want to, but shame on you if you make excuses why you can't come to church and these men can drive 90-plus years to church. But I believe God can go right now to Johns Island and touch Sister Barnes in her house. Right now. Right now. I also believe there's people like Laura Mae Skipper who God can touch right now. And a Bonnie Gunn on a bed somewhere in her house right now. I don't believe God's just a healer of cancerous treatment. I believe God can heal broken bones, sprained bones, like Sister Laura Mae has had. Sister Barnes with her sprained issues and things from falling. Bonnie has cancer. We know that God's healed cancer. We saw her brother Chambers. I already told you that. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you don't feel comfortable, I understand. If you have any remote, I mean, even if it's very little, doubt, do not come up here. For the love of the Lord, do not tarnish the prayer because you don't know what you believe. I'd rather you sit in your chair and, or sit in your pew and pray to God to help your unbelief rather than come up here and taint the prayer. You and God figure that out on your own. But if you're absolutely 100% certain you believe, like I do, in the power of prayer, and God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which we can even think or comprehend. We can't even imagine that he's that good. I need your help today. I need some behind Sister Ann. And I need some behind Sister Barnes. But I need prayer warriors. I need people to help me pray. So if you believe in prayer, I need you to come help me. Right here. You doubt it. Stay home. Please, God, stay home if you doubt. Because I don't need that mess. I need help. Because the Bible said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and darkness and heavenly places. I'm telling you, we are in a warfare. We need God to show up in these places. We need God to show up. We need God to heal. We need God to save. We need God to save about that. We need God to make it work. Go ahead and start praying. You can gather around him. I'll come in the middle. But just gather around him again to pray for him. Again to pray for him today.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Amen.
Aleluia. I know we have a lot of visitors here today. <laughs> if I was a good preacher, I'd have been real calm, cool, and collected. We would have had a prayer line. We'd have, I wanted to upset the apple cart because we wouldn't want to freak nobody out before they left church. In case you don't know, I don't really care what you think about me. So you can leave here and be like, that's a crazy church good because I don't want to be like your traditional nominal churches that everybody else wants to go to I want us to be different and I want us to stand out if you can come here and don't feel Jesus or don't feel conviction or don't feel anything then I'm doing the wrong job and we're doing we're the wrong church we're a country club so I just want to let you know if you walk out here and say wow that's a different church I ain't been to one like that thank you please let us know how different we are because that's what we're after we don't want to stand we don't want to fit in we want to stand out and I will never ever, ever apologize for who we are, what we are, and what we stand for. We do still preach Jesus. We still do believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in a heavenly language. We still teach it. We still preach it. We still do it. We also believe in the gifts of healing. We also believe that the Bible says that you call the elders of the church for them to lay hands on you, pray the prayer of faith, and the sick shall recover. We believe it. We do prayer cloths because we believe you can take it, and it's nothing about the cloth, but it's about the God that represents what we just did with the cloth. We believe in that. We still believe in holiness is God's standard of living amongst his people. And I'm here to tell you this morning, as long as I stay here, we're still going to lift the banner of Jesus high. People don't have to like how we do it. They don't have to like what we do. They may not like our style. They may not like our songs. They may not like the fact that I yell at him too much or I'm too passionate or I'm too this or I'm too that but Jesus is always going to be magnified and glorified the spirit of the Lord is always going to have free reign and if the Holy Spirit wants to speak we all going to shut up and let him talk that day so if you don't know who we are we're Santee Circle Church of God thank you for being here we're Pentecostal and we don't care that you know that if I wanted to be something else I would be but I'm not it's kind of like you go to Burger King, you don't order a Big Mac because they look at you like you're an idiot because that's not what they sell. If I wanted to be something different and promote a different product, I would. But I promote Jesus and I promote the works of His Holy Spirit because they're still real and I'm going to promote them because I believe in the product Jesus sells. I say that to say this. You leave this place today and you doubt it, you need to go back to an altar at your house come back to an altar when you come back to church tonight or whenever you get it right but don't you walk out of here and be like well, I, I, I just don't know I don't know doubt will kill every miracle you just prayed for like that it's like it's like pouring roundup on grass it will kill it instantly just about doubt will take your blessings and your miracle if you let it don't Leave here and doubt what you just asked God to do. Now, you know, I pray the Aaronic prayer, and I'm going to do that here in a minute, but I want you to go, Ms. Carol, the key of C. It's probably the wrong key, but it sounds good for now. Here's what I want you to do. 
we're going to sing this as the prayer, and then I'm going to pray the Aaronic prayer, and then I'm going to give Brother Randy closing remarks and prayer. But here's what I want you to leave today knowing. For he's all you need. He's all you need. For Jesus is all you need. For he's all you need. He's all you need. Jesus is all you need. Now here's what I want you, I want you to make it personal. He's all I need. Make it personal to him. He's all I need. Yes, he's all I need. For by Jesus, oh, he's all that I need. For he is all I need. For he is all I need. For Jesus. Now, when you leave this place, you make sure that's your anthem this week. It ain't. You don't need me. I'll come pray for you. I'll pray for you on the phone. I'll come to your house. You can always call me. I told somebody this morning, if you need me, you call me. You can call. You don't need me. You don't need this counsel. You don't need these. You don't need us. We will pray for you, but you don't need us. You need Him. You need Him. I put this every time we do the altar call, not because I can't find a better picture, because it ain't about me. You need Him. That's who you need. You need Jesus. He'll fix it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and lift up His countenance towards you and give you the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard your hearts until He comes again. May the words of my mouth and our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in His sight, our Lord, strength, and Redeemer. I love you. God bless you. Brother Randy, will you pray today?